0: LitCast Slovakia, a podcast about Slovak Literature in English. Hello, I'm Julia Sherwood and I'm your host for LitCast, a series of interviews about Slovak Literature. Today, my guest is Donald Rayfield. Hello, Donald. Greetings from London.
1: Hello, Julia. Greetings from the wilds of Kent. How are you? And
0: uh, how are things in the wildest Kent? Um,
1: Still locked down, but we have a large garden, so it's endurable. That's wonderful.
0: Okay, before we launch into it, uh, let me first introduce you to our listeners. Donald Rayfield is an Emeritus Professor of Russian and Georgian whose books have been instrumental in expanding knowledge of Eastern European literature and history. In 2003, he was honored with the Order of the British Empire for services to Slavic studies. Donald is the author of books on the history of Russian and Georgian literature, including numerous studies, biography of Anton Chekhov, a book on Stalin and his hangman, the tyrant and those who killed for him, as well as a comprehensive Georgian English dictionary. He has translated, among others, works by Osip and Nadezhda Mandelstam, Anton Chekhov, Nikolai Gogol, and Varlam Shalamov, as well as books by Georgian and Uzbek writers. He is also a publisher, founder of the independent publishing house Garnet Press, specializing in Russian and Georgian books, but also featuring some Slovak authors, and a literary reviewer, writing for the Times Literary Supplement and the Literary Review. I'm really pleased, Donald, that you have agreed to talk to me for this first edition of Litka Slovakia. When I started thinking about who to invite, your name was among the first that popped into my mind for several reasons. Primarily because Peter Pishchanek's Rivers of Babylon trilogy that you published in Garnet Press must be the most successful Slovak book in English ever. Uh, the second reason is personal. Uh, you gave me my first break as a literary translator with Daniela Kapitáňová's Samkotale's Cemetery book. However, in your academic career, you specialised in Russian and Georgian literature and history. You have also translated widely from these languages and the books published by Garnet Press, with the exception of Rivers of Babylon and Samkotale, were also translations from Russian and Georgian, as well as dictionaries and history books. So how did you get interested in Slovak literature and what was it about these books that appealed to you to make you publish uh, these two or rather four books?
1: Well, uh, this goes back a long way. Uh, When I was uh, at school still, um, specializing in German, I got rather fed up with the Germans and their attitude to the Slavs. I deliberately uh, started learning Czech. I got a lot of help from a lecturer in Czech. And then when I was 15, I cycled to Prague, made a friend uh, there and um, took it quite seriously. Only when I got to Cambridge University did they tell me that I was an idiot to specialise in Czech, uh, not knowing the great <laughs> Russian language. Um, when I was at Cambridge, this was the early 60s, uh, Slovak was considered a small side interest to Czech and we did a couple of uh, terms of uh, semesters of Slovak. And I remember quite well uh, the sonnets of blood and a uh, rather yes. nice romantic, modern romantic, um, uh, Ivan Krasko. Uh, but that was, as far as I was concerned, um, a sideline to Czech. I had to abandon Czech. This was just as well for me or I'd be unemployed. Uh, because my friend in Prague was arrested for political dissidence and I was blacklisted and I couldn't go and do postgraduate studies in Prague. I wasn't even allowed into the country until 1990. Nevertheless, uh, every now and again, about once in 20 years, I was called upon to participate in some conference on uh, Czech or Slovak. And my next contact with Slovak was when I was in Budapest, of all places, uh, doing research in the Nepraise Intesit, Uh, And I was getting bored with my research, and I found that the State Library had a wonderful collection of recent Slovak novels. And as there was a conference on modern Slovak prose, I thought, well, I might as well read some. And this time, Slovak literature was much more interesting. We had, uh, I remember particularly, Tjasky's Amen Maria, about the uh, Slovak rebellion and the collaboration with the Russians. And uh, I was particularly struck by um, uh, Jan Johannides, mm-hmm. uh, Marek the Groom and the Hungarian Pope, which I thought was a remarkable novel, though it was a very difficult one to read with my level of Slovak. And I disliked the most popular Slovak fiction, I think at Tisich Hroshnavcella, uh, the thousand-year-old bee. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was still invited to a conference and wrote an article on uh, historical novels in Slovak and Georgian, contrasting them and realizing how important historical novels are for small nations uh, with a history that's bigger than their present. And then I sort of lost contact with Slovak until, oh, about 15 years ago, a um, uh, Regenda Chitnis, a specialist in Czech and Slovak and Russian, uh, oh, yes. was um, defending his PhD thesis in London, and they needed an external examiner and they called on me, and uh, one of his subjects was uh, Peter Piszczanek. And I was lent a copy of the last volume of um, Rivers of Babylon, The End of Freddy, Freddy Hukonets. Mm -hmm. And for the first time in my entire academic life, I was rolling about on the floor laughing. (laughs) I thought this was one of the funniest and most inventive things I have ever read. And I then went on to read the first one, Rivers of Babylon. And uh, which is even better, which is which is superb. Yes, that's a perfect Mm -hmm. novel, um, even if it's not quite so fantastical. And I thought, well, this must be published. And so I went round various publishers and they said, ha. I said, this is the most important book about the transfer from socialism to capitalism from one sort of mafia gangsterism to another sort of mafia gangsterism. Yeah. It explains how a village thug becomes an oligarch um, and how a car park uh, keeper becomes a, um, a, a national hero. And they hummed and hard and said we'll look at it in six months time and we might commission a translation sample and so on. And I got fed up and I thought this is very wrong. There's something wrong with British publishing. They can't recognize something when it hits them between the eyes mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was going to Georgia to finish our work on the dictionary and I arranged to see Peter Piszczanek and I met him in a hotel and he was a little bit suspicious and I said look I've tried to get a publisher I can't but I'll do it myself sorry uh, you met him in a hotel in Georgia in, in Slovakia on where oh. I, cha- I we went to change by Vienna took took the bus to Bratislava and right. and talked to him there uh-huh. I said, you won't sell many copies because I'm a small publisher, or I, I do academic things, we'll be lucky if we sell a thousand, but at least it'll be something. And he agreed. Um, and uh, it went from there. And mm-hmm. that was quite a success uh, by standards of a small publisher, one-man operation with no marketing. Yes. Uh, we managed to sell, I, I so far I think we sold 1,300 copies. And we came seventh on the uh, prize list for the Independent Foreign Literature uh, Prize. So I was very pleased with that. Uh, I think the main thing for Pishjanic was not so much being translated into English, is that once you are translated into English from a language like Slovak, then other countries take an interest. And so from the English, I think there's a Turkish version, there's a Indi- uh, Hindu version and so on. Um, unfortunately, we couldn't sell the, uh, the the second and the third volume nearly as well. Um, I suppose they are in some ways inferior, but Pichjanik struck me as a, as a utterly remarkable, quite unlike any other Slovak author. For one thing, he's an anti-nationalist. For another, he has a skill of um, I would say he's like Quentin Tarantino. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has a skill of of getting very very complicated uh, plots. Uh, done in a cinematic way, one episode after another, and tying them all together. I like Quentin Tarantino, he was perhaps uh, too fond of violence and too obsessed with sex, but that, those are minor defects, I think, in, in a brilliant writer. So it was a commercial success.
0: That, that is really amazing. And what about uh, Sam Cotale?
1: Uh... Sam Cotale, uh, well, uh, you suggested that to me, and I thought it was a remarkably original work. It's very short. Um, but the thing about it it, it, it sticks in your mind and, in fact, you understand it. At least I found I understood it about six months <laughs> after I'd published it. You realise what's <laughs> going on in the mind of the idiot and what the idiot has actually done. I uh, thought it was absolutely brilliant work. Um, that sold more modestly. I think we have sold five or six hundred copies. Um, but um, uh, I mean, that, that shows an originality that um, is something quite new. It's something about the Slovaks I'd compare to the Scots, that for a long time they've been regarded as a sort of inferior sub-tribe um, of the of the Czechs, just as the Scots have been regarded as sort of en- a peculiar sort of Englishman. But once they get going, they reveal that they have far more talent and far more spirit. I mean, I'm very fond of Czech literature. I think that there are great Czech novels, but the Czechs are lugubrious and um, heavy compared with the Slovaks at their best.
0: Well, that's really nice to hear. <laughs> And so what other Slovak writers do you admire and who do you think should be translated into
1: English? Um, I quite enjoy um, some of the modern ones, Vilikovsky, uh, the late Velikovsky and uh, Bala and so on. But I think out the outstanding writer is Johannides. I don't think I would take it on myself. I think it needs a, a professional publisher. I think if Hilary Mantel can be a success with Tudor history, I don't see why Marek the groom and the Hungarian Pope should not be an equal success. I mean, he's a different sort of writer from Hilary Mantel. He doesn't do dialogue much. He's not all that interested in psychology. He's a lot more interested in philosophy and symbolism. But I think he's a writer of comparable talent. And I think that's the one Slovak treasure that really ought to be translated and published.
0: Well, uh, there is a chance that uh, one of his books might be translated, but uh, I don't want to uh, just uh, tent fate so I'm not going to tell you anything (laughs) more at this stage but I hope to be able to make an announcement about this uh, later in this program.
1: I look forward to it.
0: To come back to Garnet Press you haven't actually published anything for a
1: good few years now why is that? No actually we have we did publish last year a selection of the poetry of uh, Vaja Psavella who is Georgia's greatest poet, poet writing around the beginning of the 20th century. Uh, that came with, with some beautiful illustration work, woodcuts mm-hmm. and so on, by uh, Andrei Simico. Uh three long poems, uh, a number of lyrics. Uh, so that's been out, but it hasn't had much attention. Um, it's very hard to get things like that reviewed, particularly verse. Um, uh, there are other reasons why I've published less uh, recently, since, um, well, since about 2012, I suppose. Uh, I've been translating a lot myself, and that takes a lot of energy. Mm. And the other reason is that um, I've been translated too, and that takes even more energy. I'm not sure which is worse, to do it or to have it done to you. Uh, But collaborating with a translator is is often hard work. It's good work because the translator often finds things wrong with the original you can put right. Mm -hmm. Um, The other reason is financial. Um, I'm lucky to being an academic with a pension, uh, so I don't have to make a profit. I think it's impossible to yes. make a profit unless you're very, very lucky. If I ever discover the Slovak uh, Elena Ferrante, of course, that would be fine. But um, these things happen very rarely. Um, and the finances are, you know, are helped by the fact that um, the Litterarne Informacje Centrum subsidizes either translation or production. Uh, but um, it's extremely difficult to get books reviewed and noticed and into bookshops, it's almost impossible. All you can do is sell on Amazon. Um, The other thing is the Garnet Press is run um, under the auspices of the university and financial regulations have now become so tight that although I earn money for the university, getting that money out of the university and distributing it to authors, to translators,
0: it, it is
1: such a bureaucratic hassle that I've given up in despair and um, so anything I do in the future will have to be self-financing. A lot of publications have been financed by the Georgian English Dictionary, which we've nearly sold out, uh, and is an enormous heavy volume, it brings in quite an income, or has brought in an income. And that has subsidized uh, the, the, the Slovak and the novels and the Georgian novels. But now that's sold out and heavy dictionaries are no longer popular. People want them online so that dictionary is going online and our source of income is is disappearing too
0: mm, that's sad yes and uh, most publishers really can survive by mixing uh highbrow literature with something that really sells well so yes that is understandable now uh you're also a prolific translator and uh, In fact, the last time I saw you was one of the very last events I attended before the shutdown, and that was uh, your presentation on the second volume of uh, Shalamov's uh, Kolima Diaries. Uh, Now it can't have been easy to translate these really, really harrowing stories, so Do you think that uh, this Gulag experience still has relevance for present-day readers? I
1: think they should be reminded about it uh, every generation because people forget uh, quite uh, how horrific uh, that past is. It's like Holocaust, it has to be taught in schools. And Shalamov is as good as any uh, any history course, simply because in Russia uh, less and less is written about it or spoken about it, the younger generation doesn't even know about it, um, so I think it's important to keep going. Shalamov isn't difficult linguistically to translate. He's a very straightforward writer, but um, you do get nightmares—nightmares uh, nightmares of wheelbarrows and people being shot and freezing to death and so on. It was not a pleasant experience. All the hell. I'm glad it's over.
0: And what about uh, your translation of Hamid Ismailov's The Devil's Dance? So you actually learned Uzbek for it, but presumably that was a more fun experience Um, to translate? I'm
1: not sure about that. Um, When I first saw the text, Hamid gave it to me in Russian. And Mm -hmm. I thought, fine. And I started reading it and then I came across some Uzbek poetry in translation. I thought, this cannot be a great poet. I will have to work out the original. It's a poet called Chulpon, who is a sort of Uzbek Mandelstam, a very, very fine poet at his best. So I managed, you think if you know Turkish, or some Turkish, that Uzbek will not be difficult. And that I found was a big error. The odd thing about Uzbek is that although it's been under Soviet influence for so long, um, it is much richer than Turkish. Ataturk cleaned up Turkish. Uh, very thoroughly, the Soviets left Uzbek pretty well alone. So it has a lot of Iranian in it. It almost slips into Farsi sometimes. It has a lot of dialects. Um, Absolute nightmare. But the worst thing was that I realized that the whole translation was a terrible translation into Russian by two ladies, one of whom was a Russian who didn't know any Uzbek. The other was an Uzbek who didn't know an awful lot of Russian. And they'd made up passages. They'd left out page after page where they didn't understand and so I thought well I'll have to do it from Uzbek and that was the steepest learning curve I've ever had so I got through it fortunately Hamid is alive and I can answer questions otherwise I, there would have been uh, points at which I would have despaired
0: Right so it was a huge challenge linguistically but in terms of the content uh, it, it wasn't as harrowing as uh, Shalom of...
1: Oh no I think uh, well it, it has a gulag aspect to it It's uh, half of it is About the writer about to be shot, and the other half is what he would have written if he hadn't been shot. Um, But um, it's done very wittily, uh, and it's combined in a very clever way in two parallel stories that actually intersect at the end. I think it's the best thing Hamid's ever done, so I was very happy to be associated with it. Um, The only problem for me was the editor decided that it would be much better if it was much shorter, and she took a butcher's knife to it.
0: Um, So I'm not.
1: I'm hoping that one day it'll come out in full in English rather than this um, four fifths. But um, I've learnt as a translator, you must have a contract in which you insist that nothing is changed without your permission.
0: That's a very good warning, thank you. And uh, what are you working on now? I mean, has the coronavirus pandemic affected your current projects and future plans? Uh, No,
1: Uh, the only way it's affected is the whole of the publishing world seems to have gone to sleep. Nobody's commissioning anything, nobody's replying Mm -hmm. to any emails. They're all in a state of despair. Uh, What I've been trying to do is to get a new edition of my biography of Chekhov, which I wrote in 1997, and it's been translated. It's always being updated in Russian and in French and uh, Chinese and it will be in Spanish, but I can't get the English edition updated because an American publisher has been hanging on to the rights. So I've been spending months uh, getting those rights back and I found that fortunately, that the American publisher hasn't paid for the license for the last 14 years. Uh, So I think I'm on the verge of uh, not only getting the rights back but a small amount of compensation. (laughs) Oh, wonderful
0: so well good luck with that uh, and i you. hope that we will see this updated edition soon and that uh, we will meet again at some other literary event certainly yes and uh, so in the meantime keep healthy and uh, yes i hope uh, to see you at the next launch when the pandemic is behind us
1: yes and let's hope to see your holidays in the review pages
0: yes let's hope so So thank you very much, Donald. Thank you. uh, Thank you, Julia. Good luck to you. uh, And I wish you good health. And the same goes for all our listeners. Please take good care of yourselves and your loved ones. And let's hope that good literature will sustain you in these difficult times.
1: I'll join you in that. Bye. Goodbye.